Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. Are you being influenced? If you watched a blockbuster film in the last decade, then there's a chance it's been influenced by the Chinese Communist Party. Here's the reality. The CCP may be running the largest influence campaign in history. In Hollywood Takeover, brought to you by the Epic Times, investigative reporter Tiffany Meyer reveals how the CCP exerts control over some major studios. Don't miss the most important documentary about Hollywood yet. For a limited time, watch the first 10 minutes for free at hollywoodtakeover.com slash jesse. Jesse Kelly here. If you're in a situation where you feel threatened, instinct may drive you to reach for lethal means immediately. But we all want to avoid the irreversible consequences of deadly force. Enter the Berna Less Lethal Pistol Launcher equipped with tear gas and kinetic ammo to incapacitate an attacker for up to 40 minutes. It's legal in all 50 states, requires no background checks, and can be shipped right to your door. Visit Berna.com slash Jesse now for an exclusive 10% discount. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Newton Group Transfer. They are here to help you if you're stuck in a timeshare. These stories from people who have these timeshares and can't get out of them, they're shocking. These timeshare companies, not all of them, but so many, they get their hooks into you and you can't give them up. You can't give them up. Or they'll, they'll do things like they charge you thousands of dollars. One girl, she got past her timeshare when her mother passed away. She gets past the timeshare, doesn't want the timeshare, doesn't use the timeshare. They tell her she can get out of it for $4,000. She has to come up with a $4,000 check. This is not right. It's unjust. And Newton Group Transfers is here to help you. If you are in a timeshare and want out or know someone who is, call 888-845-3773. That's 888-84-JESSE. Or go to timesharejesse.com, Newton Group Transfer. They will help you out. This is The Jesse Kelly Show. 
Imagine being flayed alive. Gosh, that would be terrible. It is the Jesse Kelly Show, 877-377-4373. Jesse at jessekellyshow.com. It's going to be a fun day today. All kinds. Of, I got all kinds of emails about my vaccine take from yesterday. They're spicy. I have been... I have I've had a complaint filed against me to the Anti-Defamation League. <laughs> I'll explain I'll explain what happened there in about an hour. Look, I'm an offensive person. This this is certainly not the last time. They'll they'll know me by name at the Anti-Defamation League here shortly, Chris. <laughs> we have some sweet guests today. Obviously, BK as he always does on Tuesday and then the famous now Lee Smith, he just continues to expose people. He'll be doing that in about an hour and a half from now. We have Heavy D dropping bombs out there. Hamas literally dropping bombs out there. It is the anniversary of the death of George Floyd. No, we're not obviously going to do a George Floyd show. But we are going to do today something that America is currently incapable of doing. We're going to be sober, reasonable adults. We're going to take all emotion out of everything. And we're going to analyze where we are as a nation one year later. How did we handle it? The things we did, did they make people's lives better? Did they make people's lives worse? If it made people's lives better, we'll look into why. If it made people's lives worse, we'll look into why on that too. So yes, it's going to be a spicy show. Get that quick dial number of the Anti-Defamation League ready because there'll be more phone calls after that. Now, let us go back to the 1600s. We are actually going to Europe in the 1600s, and you know this is one of the places I don't usually go. Now, we've done so many history shows by this point. Inevitably, I'm going to do some European history, 14, 15, 1600s. That's just inevitable. But it's not something I do a ton of. Why is that? I find it to be horribly confusing. I mean, confusing, uh, confusing for me, confusing, confusing for you, because of all the endless titles and things. Uh, this is uh, this was the Duke of Habsburg, and he's right there with the Earl of this, and he was with the Prince of this, and it already I'm lost. I don't, okay, Duke of who's who's in charge? What is is a Duke above an Earl? I and, and then you add in the Catholicism part of it. And I understand we have a bunch of Catholics. That's fine. I'm not ripping on you. But for non-Catholics, when you start mixing in Catholic stuff on top of Earl and Duke, and but this was the Archbishop of Canterbury, and this is with the this was the Bishop of this, and he with the, with Pope Bob, and and it's, you're, you're my I'm gone. I don't know what you're talking about anymore. Now I'm not interested. I'm not interested. So as I do this fascinating siege today, I want you to understand something. As you know, I normally ignore painful, petty details because I think they ruin a story. 
I don't drown you in names and dates. And then on August 12th, 1942, I don't, I don't drown you in names and dates. Today, I've ignored 10 times as many details as I normally do, just trying to boil the story down so we can understand this sweet siege we're about to talk about today. Now let's go. Let's first talk about the players in the game. Vienna is part of the Holy Roman Empire. It would eventually become Austria-Hungary. We'll get to that point, but just know that's where we are. I would hope you have some understanding of where Vienna is, but if you don't, that's what it would be. We're talking. We're in Vienna. We're dealing with the Holy Roman Empire, and we're dealing with the Ottoman Empire. This is a point in time where the Ottoman Empire is mega, mega, mega powerful. Remember, they were powerful for quite some time. The guy leading the Ottoman army is one of the only names I'm going to give you today, and that's because it's an awesome name, Mustafa Pasha. And that's not even his whole name, but that's the cool part that I wanted to tell you about. Don't you think that's cool sounding, Chris? Am I alone? Don't you think Mustafa sounds cool? I think it sounds cool. He's got 150,000 Ottomans with him. They want to take the city of Vienna. Why do they want to take the city of Vienna? Let's unpack that for a moment. Like sober adults, you know, just the way we're going to go over the whole year after George Floyd's death today. Like sober adults, let's talk about why the Ottomans want to take Vienna. Is it for revenge reasons? Kind of. There was a, a wonderful, well, wonderful, I don't know. I guess it depends on which end, of it, which end of it you were. There was an Ottoman ruler by the name of Suleiman, Suleiman the Magnificent, about 100 years earlier in the 1520s. He had tried to take Vienna and failed. So there was that pride wounding thing for the Ottomans. They don't like that. You don't like to try to take a, a, a glorious city like Vienna and fail. And let me clarify something. As you know, I've been to Europe exactly once, and since then I've bragged a thousand times as if I'm some European traveler. I'm very enlightened in my time in Europe, but actually we only went to two countries, the Czech Republic and Austria. One of the places I actually have been is Vienna. It's gorgeous. It is gorgeous. European rulers for centuries have thought it was the the crown jewel of Europe. I'm pretty sure one of its nicknames is the Pearl of Europe. I may have that wrong. But, I mean, from Hitler on down, and whenever you take over Europe, you're like, oh, Vienna's the capital. That, that That's our capital. So just know this was a very appealing place, a very, very appealing place. So part, part of the reason the Ottomans wanted to take it was pride. Another part was religion. There's a real Muslim versus Christian thing going on at this point in time, kind of. And what do I mean by that? Well, it's hard to unpack what people's motivations really are. And you and I have had this talk a thousand times when we're talking about this expedition and that expedition and Hernan Cortez taking on the Aztecs and why did they do it? I don't like to just I don't like to completely destroy what people say their motivations are, but most of the time when I look at religious wars that have been fought, I can find a real financial motivation behind the religious part of it. And if I was being too cynical, I would say something like, I think maybe you're selling the religious part of it as an excuse to make money. 
the Ottomans were selling it to their people a lot as this is a victory. This is this will be a victory over those dirty Christians, actually Catholics, over those dirty Catholics who have been attacking us. And look, the Habsburgs in the Holy Roman Empire, they were the ones running the Holy Roman Empire. They were selling the same thing to their people. This will be a victory over those dirty Muslims who've been attacking us. And let's just be clear. They've both been attacking each other along their border for a long time. These people have historically been fighting each other for a long time. Was religion part of it? No question about it. There's no question about it. But the Ottoman Empire, the Ottoman Empire had Christian parts of it. The Ottoman Empire had Jewish parts of it. Now, they were kind of second-class citizens, you know, didn't have voting rights, that kind of thing, but not necessarily oppressed and persecuted. So it's hard to say the Ottoman Empire was this Muslim empire going against the Christians. There were a bunch of Christians actually in the Ottoman army. They would simply have levies that way. So like most things in life, like, like, like the George Floyd stuff we're going to talk about today, It's complicated. Let's uncomplicate it next. Truth. Attitude. Jesse Kelly. Your gear will save your life or cost you your life if you do that long enough. If you find yourself in dangerous situations long enough, your gear, it's the difference between you going home that night and somebody crying over your coffin. Guys who have served in hostile situations will simply tell you that is a fact. The guys who spend a lot of time in combat, you know the things they know? Things that most of us don't, but the things they know? Your socks are sometimes as important as your ammo. Your holster is as important as the weapon in your hands. What good does a great weapon do if the holster fails? Go get a custom holster from Northwest Retention Systems. Go to nwretention.com. That's nwretention.com. Use the code word JESSE for 10% off. Man, I'm awesome. It is the Jesse Kelly Show. What, did that go out over the air, Chris? Sorry about that. 877-377-4373. Jesse at jessekellyshow.com. Sober adults like you and me. We're going to have a frank talk about on, on the one year of the death of George Floyd. Got all kinds of pushback in the email email over my vaccine take yesterday. In case you missed it. I got an email from somebody who was the, the primary breadwinner in their family, their employer gearing up to force them to take the vaccine. I simply said, look, I haven't taken the vaccine. I'm not going to take the vaccine. Uh, I'm not at risk for this thing, so I'm not getting vaccinated for it. Plus, no, I don't necessarily trust everything, especially this early in the game. I'll let everyone else do it. 
All that said, if I had to choose between taking the vaccine and still feeding my kids or not taking it, I have an obligation to feed my kids. That's all I said. So we got a bunch of pushback and I'll address that. You know you're welcome to email me all that stuff. Jesse at jessekellyshow.com. I don't mind your disagreement. Doesn't bother me one bit. I mean, I'm right. But no, I'm just kidding. I'll go over it today. (laughs) Now, let's go back to our Battle of Vienna. So it's kind of a religious thing. It's more than anything, it appears to me, to be an economic power thing. The Ottoman Empire had been trying to expand that far into Europe for a long time. Get a major foothold in Europe. Make Vienna your fortress of Europe that they can't take back from you. And then if you want to keep expanding, that's okay too. This was a big, big, big deal because the Ottomans hadn't been able to achieve this yet. Now, setting that aside, what was the status of Europe? Well, that's what makes this story kind of complicated. Well, very complicated, so I'll simplify it for you. Europe had just got done with something called the Thirty Years' War. What you need to know about that is this. The Catholic Habsburgs, you know, that's, that's the Holy Roman Empire, the Catholic Habsburgs had been fighting and killing Protestants in Europe for 30 years. And the Protestants had been killing Catholics, too. I'm not pointing fingers at one, one direction or the other. It was a war. So at this point, it's not as if Europe is a wealthy unified place of Christendom. We're just here to serve Jesus and cash checks. No, they're dead broke. A lot of their young men have died. There's real animosity still between this emperor and this king and this country. And as you can imagine, whenever you get done with the war in general, there's not great feelings, right? For understandably, it's not, uh, you're not hugging it out at the end. So a 150,000-man Ottoman army under Mustafa Pasha approaches the city of Vienna. Vienna had terrible intelligence, so the, the army practically gets there before Vienna even knows they're coming. The rich people who are able to get out of the city of Vienna immediately, and the people in the countryside, because the Ottoman Empire is doing what, what armies do, I don't want to point fingers at them. They are pillaging, they're burning down homes, they're killing everybody they see. So the people from the countryside flood into the city as the rich people in the city leave the city. The guy in charge of the city is the last name I'll give you today. His name's Leopold, Leopold II. He flees the city. Now, in his defense, he didn't flee out of fear, I don't think. He fled to gather an army because at this point there were only about 15,000 men in Vienna versus the 150,000-man Ottoman army outside of it. What does that mean? It means you better get back with an army pretty quick, Jack, or we're going to die. But there is a couple things going on here that are in the, in the, in the court. Well, they're very much, very much in the credit column for Vienna. One. The city was an absolute fortress. 200-foot walls, multiple moats around the city, gigantic cannons on the walls. There's a reason it hadn't been taken yet. That was one. Two, the Ottoman army was very far from home. Very far from home. Even today, it's difficult to supply an army That's very, very far from home. 
Back then, when everything's on a horse and buggy or a ship, it gets a lot harder, especially when you have 150,000 men. And for Mustafa Pasha in his Ottomans, the thing about a siege is this, and this is, and we talk about this every time we talk about a siege, right? You both are under a time crunch. The city that's under siege and the one doing the sieging, you're both under a time crunch. You both have food supplies to worry about. You both have disease to worry about. You both have the weather to worry about. Mustafa Pasha cannot afford to be around Vienna when winter hits. And Mustafa Pasha has something else he has to worry about. He's aware that Leopold II left the city. He's aware he's off raising armies. Now, it's not 2021. You're not raising an army in a week and having boots on the ground. So it's not like he has to do this by tomorrow. But the clock is most definitely ticking if you're Mustafa Pasha. So he digs in in one of the more fascinating sieges I've ever seen because Vienna, as I just explained, was well, well fortified. And the Ottomans on the other side are some of the best at siege warfare out there. European countries everywhere would study the Ottomans and how awesome they were on it. I'll, I'll go into a couple nerd out details for you here. Trenches are a big part of siege warfare, right? Why is that? Well, having been to Europe, Chris, what, Chris? I Look, I understand you peasants who haven't been to Europe. <laughs> I went once. You peasants who haven't been to Europe wouldn't understand this. I just want you to understand my pinkies out as I'm explaining this to you. You peasants who haven't been to Europe wouldn't get, but I do because I stood at the foot of one of these castles what it's like to look up at the castle from standing on the ground and you're inside of a moat to this big trench and you're looking up and you're thinking about what it would have been like to have people shooting down at you from the top of that. I'm sitting there in peacetime looking up at it, imagining it, and I got a feeling in the pit of my stomach like, oh, that that would be horrifying, horrifying. So what do you do? You dig trenches. Not just horizontal trenches. I mean, not just trenches that go parallel with the walls. You do both. You have horizontal trenches that are parallel with the walls, and then you start trenching towards the wall so you can then make another trench parallel with the walls, essentially inching your troops forward. Now, what are you doing in the trench? Because I know what you're saying. Why wouldn't they just fire down into the trench? Well, they did. So the Ottomans would take these boards along. And as they're trenching toward the wall, they would put the board over the top of the trench and then throw extra dirt on top of the board to prevent them from fire and from arrows. So they're covering themselves as they inch forward. You see what a massive, I mean, a siege, especially in this day and age, as more of a construction project than a battle. You're all hand trenching, and yes, there's shooting, and there's fires, and there's fighting, and so the trenches are a cool part of it. But Leopold II, ha- he also understands, well, I don't necessarily have the guns that are going to bring down this wall. I need more than trenches. I need more than inching my way forward. What I really need 
is to break down those walls. Well, if you don't have the guns and you have to break down the walls, you have precious few options. So he thought of a really, really cool option. You want to know what he thought? I'll tell you in a second. I have a deal for you, and it's a deal, well, you're going to have to hurry on. I don't like normally telling you things like that, but this time you're going to have to hurry because this deal is only good for this week. You know how I have three Eden Pure Thunderstorms? I've told the story a thousand times. I started out with one. My son stole it, and then I went and bought two more because I love it so much. Right now, you can get three, and if you get three, you can save two hundred dollars on the three pack that's right you can have an eden pure thunderstorm three pack three units under 200 bucks you can do exactly what i did put one in your bedroom put one in the living room put one in the basement your kids room but it's only good this week go to edenpuredeals.com and this time your code word is jesse and the number three that's jesse and the number three EdenPureDeals.com, Jesse, number three, save 200 bucks. It is the Jesse Kelly Show. Do not forget you can find me on social media at Jesse Kelly DC on Twitter, on Instagram, and Facebook. I'm also on Locals. That's the place I can't be banned because everyone knows the band hammer is coming for me at some point. Heavy D is making some more news down in Florida. We will get to that in a moment. Let's first get back to our Battle of Vienna. We're in the 1600s, I should mention, if I didn't do that already. Mustafa Pasha and his 150,000-man Ottoman army have to go after the city, have to take the city. They're in a bit of a time crunch. Winter is coming. And a relief army is coming at some point. He can't get over the walls. He can't blast down the walls with his cannons because he doesn't have heavy enough cannons. So he decides he's going to go for tunnel warfare. They're going to dig tunnels. And everyone takes away their own thing from these stories. This is always the tunnel battle for me because of how it went down. The Ottoman army, they were outstanding at tunnels, simply outstanding at They would dig the tunnel and then fortify the tunnel and dig the tunnel and fortify the tunnel. And their plan is to dig the tunnel underneath the wall, then set a bunch of explosives under it and blow up the wall from underneath, which is awesome, right? I mean, let's just all acknowledge that's really, really cool. But here's how it went during the Battle of Vienna. You remember I told you the city had moats, multiple moats around them, and I'm going to burst your bubble. This hurts me to say as much as it will hurt you to hear. The moats around castles, most of the time were not full of water unless it had been raining. That's one. Two, they never had alligators and crocodiles in them. I was always taught different as a child. When I grew up and started reading, I was devastated to find this out. What the moat does is simply this. It creates a new physical obstacle for you to get through. 
as you're charging towards the wall. Well, around Vienna, here's what was happening. Because Vienna, Vienna had dudes stationed outside of the walls, too. The tunnelers, you know, you're underneath the ground, you're in a tunnel, you're perfectly safe. They would unknowingly break into one of the moats because the moat was so deep, the tunnel would burst open into one of the moats, and then they'd be staring at Viennese guns where they would be mowed down immediately. So then they had to go deeper. There were huge moat battles in the dark. It's just, it gets even worse because I'm about to describe what had to be one of the most violent, scary terrifying things in the history of warfare. You see, Vienna, they knew about the tunnels, and Vienna wanted to get at the Ottomans as much as the Ottomans wanted to get at the people in Vienna. So Vienna decided to dig their own tunnels, too. They have men down there digging outside, digging towards the the, the Ottoman Empire. There's only so many places where it makes sense to build a tunnel. There were times where underground, remember, this is 1683, so we're talking candles and lanterns. There were plenty of times underground where men who were digging with pickaxes would actually run into each other's tunnel in candlelight. And there you are, armed with only a pickaxe, running into the opposing army, tunneling your way Sometimes a lantern or all of them would even be snuffed out in the coming battle and you would have a pickaxe fight with other people in the dark. No, I'm going to be out on that. I'm going to be out on that. All right. So what's happening outside? Well, one, in Vienna, the people are starting to starve. They're eating their cats. They were calling them roof rats at one point in time. They were eating the cats. Then they were eating the rats. And then they were eating the shoes. They were starting to go hungry in the city, very hungry. Leopold, the man who escaped the city, is having a difficult time raising armies because, again, Europe was poor and there was bad blood. He spent all his money on one army and didn't have enough for enough of another army. So what happened? Well, he gets bailed out by no one else but the Pope himself. The Pope steps up and with his own cash essentially buys a Polish army and then tells the rest of Christian Europe, we are in a holy war. We have to get the Muslims out of Vienna. He ends up raising 90,000 men. It takes a long time, but it's difficult to manage an army of 90,000 men when it's a bunch of different countries, a bunch of different dukes and earls and generals and whatnot, what, which means you have a bunch of different successful men. And if there's one thing I have absolutely learned in my 39, almost 40 years on this earth, successful men have egos. All men have egos. And you, look, you can argue that ego, Sure of oneself thing is part of the reason successful men are successful. That's probably fair. It, it, takes, it takes a certain amount of arrogance to do certain things that successful men do. I, I admit that I've run into that. But it can be, with the wrong mix of men, very, very difficult to get them to come together on one cause. And who's in charge, right? Well, I've always been in charge. 
Oh, okay. Well, I've always been in charge. Oh, what about me? I've always been in charge. Well, now that we're all coming together, who gets to be the big man on campus? Because that's really what we're arguing about, right? Well, I'm important. Well, I'm important too. I'm a prince. I'm a duke. I'm a this. I'm a that. So understand that it was not a, hey, let's 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 all get along and go fight the Muslims. It was not like that at all. It was very, very difficult. There was a lot of politicking. But they do get the men together. The relief army starts heading towards Vienna. And finally, a portion of the army get, gets there. It does not all arrive there at the same time. They're coming from different places, different timelines, different motivations. A portion of the army gets there. The rest of it is on the way. Now, Mustafa is in a situation. His men are attacking the city. His men are ready to pounce and dive into the city should they finally get one of the walls down. And he has elite troops in his army called Janissaries. They're really, really cool. If you don't know anything about Janissaries, they would kidnap Christian Christian kids and the territories they owned. Look, I didn't say they were wonderful to Christians. They would kidnap Christian kids in the territories they owned and bring them back and make them slaves only They would make them super soldier slaves. They would force them to convert to Islam, and they would, from childhood, teach them how to be a super soldier. And they ended up growing up into being these legions of janissaries who were just beasts. They they were not carpenters who just picked up a spear. This is what they did for a living. And he had these guys sitting right by the city, 18,000 of them ready to pour into the city. He sees this relief army show up on a hill, on an elevated position. And he has a decision to make. Do I leave my Janissaries here and attack this relief army with weaker troops? Or do I take my best troops and try to blow this relief army off the map? Now, the thing is, logic doesn't always rule the day. There can be emotion. There is emotion in general that governs how we do and why we do the things we do. You see, the Ottoman army, they hadn't been treating the people of the Holy Roman Empire well. And that was going both ways. The Ottoman army, you know what they'd been witnessing? They'd been witnessing the skin of their fallen comrades draped over the walls of the city of Vienna for days on end. The people in Vienna, when they got a hold of somebody in the Ottoman army, would flay them alive. They would take their skin off. They were professionals at this so they could hang the biggest piece of it possible over the wall. Mustafa Pasha's emotions were about to get the best of him. We'll wrap this up and then we'll talk about the one-year anniversary of George Floyd. This is the Jesse Kelly Show. Like a stain on your brain, you can't get out. Jake's Mint Chew will help you quit dipping. And it helps you because it allows you to keep that routine. I I have bad habits. I've tried to clean them up, and as I dump bad habits, I seem to pick up new bad habits. And one thing I notice is this. They come in routines. When I dipped, and I dipped for years, I had a routine. 
I would dip almost always with a cup of coffee in the morning. I would dip always after a meal. Well, when I was trying to quit, that's when I would fail. That's when I would falter. I'd be okay for an hour or two, and then I'd have lunch, and I need a dip. Jake's Mint Chew allows you to put in a dip. It's just tobacco-free and nicotine-free. Go to jakesmintchew.com, jakesmintchew.com, promo code JESSE. That actually gets you 20% off. But uh, there's, you know, there to be, you know, beginning uh, this effort uh, for 2021 is, uh, I think we've learned a few lessons from last year as well. There's help, as we, they're, you know, being there to help uh, clear roads, rebuild uh, main streets. Uh. <laughs> what in the world? That's the leader of the free world. Oh, gosh, <laughs> it's, it's the Jesse Kelly Show. Don't forget, Ask Dr. Jesse Friday is coming right around the corner. I don't care that it's only Tuesday. You're going to wake up, and it's going to feel like 10 minutes from now and say, oh, my gosh, I didn't get my question in. I'm so stupid. Jesse's the best. You'll say stuff like that. So you can email me anything, jesse at jessekellyshow.com. Your love, your hate, your death threats. Your Ask Dr. Jesse questions can get in now. I'm going to answer those throughout the week. No, I have not forgotten that I owe you a major announcement. Remember, I was gone all week last week. I had Grandpa's funeral. I explained about that yesterday. Then I had to go to New York City. The New York City thing turned into something gigantic. I'm going to tell you the second I'm allowed on my life. I know everybody thinks I'm just being a jerk on my life. I'm not waiting just to dangle you out there. I'm not doing that. I'm not allowed to say anything yet. As soon as I'm allowed, I will tell you there's a chance this thing is big enough that you're going to hear about it before I even get to tell you on the air. I'll put it that way. It's not, it's not a, well, we're, we're adding 15 minutes to the show. No, it's, it's very, very, very big. So I will tell you as soon as I'm allowed to tell you, you should know, not bad change, good change. No, contrary to popular belief, Jewish producer Chris just asked about me being the face of Fritos. We've had people email that in. Sadly, Chris, they are not. That's going to remain Frito Bandito. I I could never take over for him anyway. He is the master. The Relief Army. Back to our story. Let's finish up our story here. The Relief Army gets there. Part of it gets there. Mustafa Pasha in the Ottoman Army, he's watched men get flayed alive. Now, why why would you flay the Ottoman Army people alive and drape their skin over the wall if you're in Vienna and your city's under siege. Well, there are a couple different reasons for it, and I need you to understand this because this is where our lesson's going to come from today. One, you're mad, right? Yeah, your city's under siege. Kids are starving. We're mad about this. Let's, let's cut some skin off. That's one. But two, this has been done several times historically. Why? Because the people inside the city, inside a city that's under siege, 
they're constantly being worried about their own citizens trying to comply with the army on the outside in the hopes of mercy. Because having a city sacked is you know, the worst place you could ever be, ever. Just the pillaging and the burning and the assaulting of women and the murder. and the, it's, just, it's just the worst place ever. Citizens know that. They try to avoid that. So even early on in this siege, people within Vienna were actually trading goods and services with the Ottoman army. And they had to cut that off. So what you do is you horribly torture and kill a member of the Ottoman army or whatever army is besieging you to tell your citizens a message. And what's that message? The message is this. There's nothing you can do to receive mercy from that army now. They're going to kill everybody in this town. So make sure you don't surrender. Don't comply. Don't surrender. Don't be a traitor. They just watched us flay one of their guys alive. They're going to kill us all. You better, you better dig in now, Jack, because it's, it's win or die. That's what they do. Pasha's angry. He sees the relief army get there. He sends his worst troops, not his best troops, up to attack this relief army. And it is a fierce, confusing disaster of a battle that's way too complicated for me to go into. Just know it's smoke and dust and blood, and the armies are essentially locked in a stalemate for lots of the time. Locked in a stalemate. They can't seem to break it. It's bloody. It's terrible. The Ottomans will not send their elite Janissaries up there. And finally, the Ottoman army starts to break a little bit. They start to, remember, these guys have been laying a city to siege for quite a while, so they're not as fresh as this new army who just showed up. These men are well-fed, well-rested, well-ready to fight. And at the moment when the Ottoman army has begun to break, there is a moment straight out of the movies that I wish somebody would actually make a movie out of just so I could visualize it like I have in my head. Relief armies up on a hill. Ottoman army is beginning to break. It's been a bloody, horrible, dirty affair. And then with the relief army, the cavalry shows up that has been late to the party. When I say cavalry shows up, I don't mean 200, 500 horses show up. Do you know how much cavalry shows up as the Ottoman army is beginning to break? I will go over one of the cool moments in war history next when we wrap this up. Hang on. Your daughter doesn't want to talk about why her room is a horrible mess. Your son doesn't want to talk about why he's wearing mismatching socks. Your spouse doesn't want to talk about their bad haircut. Families don't have to talk about everything, but they should talk to plan for an emergency. Pack basic supplies in a go bag, water, canned food, flashlights, batteries, medical supplies, IDs, and some cash. Talk about where you'll meet in case you lose one another. And of course, don't forget to pack the dog treats. 
Talk to your family and make an emergency plan. Go to nyc.gov slash readyny or call 311 to make your family's emergency plan. Brought to you by New York City Emergency Management and the Ad Council. It is the world-famous Jesse Kelly Show. Don't cover... You know what, Chris? Stop covering up your face when I talk about that. The world-famous Jesse Kelly Show. It's not my fault we have international listeners. Who can blame them? We got complaints. We have complaints. Somebody submitted a complaint to the Anti-Defamation League. Jesse, stop calling your your producer, Jewish producer, Chris. As an American Jew, I find this and much of your content to be very anti-Semitic. I have filed a complaint regarding some of your remarks with the Anti-Defamation League. And I won't read his name because, again, even hate mail and death threats, the name doesn't get read online. So, I guess we have a bit of a controversy. Should I keep calling him Jewish producer, Chris? I mean, his name is Chris and he is Jewish, so, yeah, I'm not stopping anything. We'll be right back. Jesse Kelly returns next. This is the Jesse Kelly Show. You know, China is Jesse. 呃，我做很多采访，很多很多很多，呃，所以在第一个。Oh gosh, that was that was John Cena, uh, professional wrestling superstar and actor, now big time actor. Do you know what that was? He was what he did was he made the famer the the. The fatal mistake of calling Taiwan, Taiwan, because China doesn't acknowledge the existence of Taiwan. If, like if the Chinese give you a map, if anybody shows you a map and you see Taiwan and it's just part of China, you know that's a Chinese map. That's just, they don't, they don't acknowledge, acknowledge Taiwan's existence. John Cena made the, quote, mistake of calling it Taiwan. What you just heard. That was John Cena apologizing to China in Mandarin. I feel like vomiting right now. 
I feel, you know what? We're going to address that today too. I wasn't even going to address that. We're going to address that today because that's actually a bigger deal than you think. That might be the biggest story of today. That frankly is probably far bigger than the whole anniversary of George Floyd thing, but we'll cover them both. I'm very versatile, Chris. I'm very versatile. Anyway, let's wrap up our story. Battle of Vienna. Ottoman army is starting to break. The relief army is finally all there. A massive cavalry contingent shows up. How massive? 18,000 of them. 18,000 horses show up. And the relief army has a decision to make at this point in time. Now, I want you to put yourself in their shoes. Because this very well may apply to you. Not this exact situation, of course, but something like it. You're looking at the Ottoman army. They were besieging your city. They're starting to break up. They're starting to run away. The battle is won. All right? You're not going to lose. The battle is won. You just got there with your 18,000 horses. What's the right thing to do? What's the good thing to do? You have two choices in front of you. You can let this army, this Ottoman army, break up and flee and grab whatever they can as they run away and back to their home country, or you can take your 18,000 men and you can charge and annihilate them. Now, I want you to think about this and what it means. I want you to think about your own morality, your religion if you have one. I want you to think about right and wrong, good and evil, I want you to tell me, or at least tell yourself, don't worry about telling me, you can have these conversations with yourself, what is right, what is wrong. Because I'll tell you what did happen. The relief army looked at this Ottoman army starting to break and run, and they decided, let's go ahead and do the largest cavalry charge in the history of mankind. And to this day, it's the biggest cavalry charge in the history of mankind. 18,000 men on horseback, with spears and swords, launch forward. It was supposedly so loud that some men in the Ottoman army lost their sanity before the horses even got there. If you've ever heard multiple horses galloping, you know it can be loud and intimidating, right? A horse is loud and it's heavy and it's so strong. Horses are so powerful. Eighteen thousand of them descending on you like a storm they swarm down this hill and they crush the ottomans and absolutely slaughter them they slaughter them they carve through this hundred and fifty thousand man ottoman army like a blowtorch through butter was it right Was it wrong? Well, I'll put it to you this way. The Ottoman Empire never again returned to Western Europe. Never. The Ottoman Empire, this was their peak. From here for the next 200 years, they only went downhill. How did it work out for the Holy Roman Empire? Well, from here, over the, over the coming years, they ended up taking back Hungary from the Ottomans. They ended up taking back the Balkans from the Ottomans. They ended up becoming the mega juggernaut powerful 
Austro-Hungarian empire that every Jesse Kelly show listener knows from World War One. We caught the end of that empire at World War One, but no, that's that's two or three hundred years that they were a mega giant. Why? Why did they become a mega giant? And why did the Ottoman Empire so steadily decline for a couple hundred years? Why? I don't understand why. A killer instinct. A killer instinct is one of those things that people get uncomfortable with. Because, oh, kill? I I don't want to kill anybody. I don't expect you to want to kill anybody. Lord willing, you don't want to kill anybody. That's not what I'm talking about. Killer instinct can take many forms. Michael Jordan, the, the, the greatest basketball player of all time, was famous for that. He just, when you were down towards the end and faltering, mercy never even entered his mind. He wanted to finish you. Oh, they're a little bit down? Yeah, let's, let's crush them now. You and I are, are in need of a mindset change. I can be just as guilty as anybody else. Because the right likes to think of itself as, I, I want to say good, but that's not the right word. In the, in the battle of good versus evil, the right very much thinks they're on the good side. The right is much more uh, believing they are in, on the side of God. They believe the left is, is the side of evil. That, that is, this is a common way of thinking out there. And I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm not insulting it. That's the way of thinking out there. But because of that, the right can also get itself trapped by its own morality or what they perceive as their own morality, and you back off. You take it easy. You don't want to rub it in. You don't want to finish them off. You just, Well, I mean, let's, okay, we won this one. Let's not rub it in and push it too far. Right now, and we're going to talk about this. We're going to talk about the anniversary of the George Floyd thing, and it's going to apply to this. And we're going to talk about this Rand Paul thing, and it's going to apply to this. Right now, what we had over the last year was the communists in America overextending themselves majorly. And I do mean majorly. They decided it was time to go all in with this uh, anti-white racism called critical race theory. They decided to go all in with street riot after street riot after street riot of cops are the enemy and uh, just student loan forgiveness and Green New Deal. They went all in all their chips at the center of the table. And as is often the case, society stopped. In America, this happens a lot. When you push too far, too fast, society stops and says, okay, whoa, this has gone way too far. I was maybe on board with some of this. Okay, I, I was on board with some COVID restrictions. Obviously, you know, that's not me, but I'm just saying society in general. I was on board with some COVID restrictions. This has gone way too far. And what's happening now is the pendulum is starting to swing back the other way. It is starting to swing in our favor. Just a little. It's just starting. Don't get me wrong. It's still pretty bad out there. But it's just starting to swing the other way in our favor. Here is my concern. I've seen this kind of thing from the right before. What the right will do is, you know, well, let's focus on the critical race theory part of it. It's starting to get banned in several states. Several states are outright banning it. You are not allowed to teach this in our schools. You know the mistake the right is going to make, and they're going to make it. 
unless you and I convince them otherwise. I'll tell you what that mistake is in just a second. You know, your house smells. Don't get mad. Don't get mad. My house smells too. I'm not, I'm not indicting you. I'm sure you keep a clean home, but just time means you're going to acquire smells, whether those are cooking smells that get in your paint, your carpet. Maybe they're animal smells. Maybe you're a smoker or someone else was. Just living creates smells. I didn't realize that my home had a smell to it until I got my first Eden Pure Thunderstorm, the greatest air purifier I've ever, ever owned in my life. This thing, I had it plugged in for two hours. I came back in the room and my air smelled so clean. I now own three of them. I'm not making that up. This thing has absolutely changed me on top of what it's done for my allergies. Go get one, get two, be like me and get three. Go to EdenPureDeals.com. Make sure you use the promo code JESSE. That gets you 10 bucks off and free shipping. EdenPureDeals.com, promo code JESSE. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts. Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's, Rappaport's Reality, Reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. 